and everything that John just prayed. I really trust this morning that God's going to do something incredible through the message in our hearts. But I want to warn you, this morning's message is going to take a little bit of transparency from your side. Um, it's going to take a little bit of humility from our side, okay? But that is a good thing, okay? That's a good thing. The one thing that God actually requires of us is not good actions or good deeds. The whole message of the Bible is not firstly about how you live your life. It is about, are you humble enough to admit you need a Savior? And are you humble enough to invite Him into your life and to conform, to transform your whole life into the image of Him? That's the message. We're done. No, kidding. I wanted to quickly share, you will, you will see that Jonathan Atkins, our senior leader, is not here this morning. He is in the United States of America. Yes. Nashville, Tennessee. And um, what he's doing there is he's part of our uh, North America Assessment Center. What we do at the Assessment Center, we assess potential future church plant, every nation church plant leaders. So he is busy assessing and raising being part of the whole process of sending out leaders to plant churches in areas where we do not yet have every nation churches and specifically aiming at uh, areas where there's a lot of people who do not know Jesus Christ. So that's where Jonathan is. When you're thinking about him, please pray with us for that. Um, our own assessment center in South Africa is also coming up in October, which Jonathan leads. Uh, so we're looking forward to God's kingdom expanding through our family. How exciting is that? Awesome. So we are starting with a new series called Multiply. Multiply, and this is a series about God's and the Bible's teaching about money. Yes, we are talking about money. Um, we're talking about how and why we honor God with our money, and what then does He do with it? Spoiler alert, multiply. It's in the name, but, but... Is the multiplication about what is given or the heart from which it is given? Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I as a preacher sit and I prepare a sermon series about money, there's something, it's different, okay? It's a little bit different because it's controversial in some sense. We've, we've, we've had so many people get hurt in church, so many people leave God, church, faith because of money. We've heard messages, manipulative messages in so many settings that encourages or manipulates people to give so that they will receive back because the leaders who preach those messages want to enrich themselves, drive around with their Bentleys, and then that hurts us because the poor down the road never benefit. God's kingdom never expands. And we get hurt by that. But I also think it's controversial because you're always, almost always going to be confronted with lies you believe about money when we're preaching about finances. That's uncomfortable. We don't want that, but it's a good thing. It's really, really a good thing. And by the way, if we can't talk about money in church, then I think there's something wrong. Where, where can we talk about it? What should we say about it? So... Um, we're going to dive into this series, and this week we're talking about, I'm asking the question, what kind 
of person will it take to really honor God with money? Because it's not about the money, it's not about the finances or the, the, the possessions, but what kind of person will it take to honor God? And this is the answer. It's a God is first person. God is first person. That's this week's topic. God is first. God is first. So a person to whom God is first is going to be able to honor God with their money. And like I said, this is a message going to take some introspection, humility, and I'm really going to trust God that you're going to be able to connect the principles I'm sharing with you this morning with your personal life. Is this true of you or not? Let's ask God for that. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this morning humbly, please do so much more in our hearts than my words could ever do. I pray that people will not see me. They will see you. They will not hear a cleverly crafted message that encourages action. They will hear and experience the Spirit of God convicting them of truth, liberating truth that moves us to build your kingdom and not our own. You are first. I pray this morning when people walk out of those doors, including myself, that, I will, that we will commit to say from now on, from here on out, God will, must be, and needs to be first in every part of my life, especially my means of survival, my finances. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Friends, we're going to be in a couple of scriptures today, but we are mainly going to focus on Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 to 2 and 11 to 13. If you have your Bibles with you, it's great to follow along with your own personal Bibles, um, but I know I've also got it on the screen, so you can be lazy a little bit. And what's going on here? Here's what's going on. It's an Exodus. The 10th plague on Egypt has just happened. The death of the firstborn. Pharaoh has said, you know what? Go, just leave. And the Israelites have left Egypt, and they're somewhere between leaving Egypt and arriving at the Red Sea crossing. Now we know what happens at the Red Sea. God does something miraculous. He parts the sea. They pass through. When the, when the Egyptians come, He closes it. They drown. But there's somewhere between what is be, behind them and what is before them. So in today's terms, it'll be, they have just come to faith. Salvation has occurred. They're starting their Christian journey with God, Okay. And the first thing that God does is He institutes two feasts that highlights one principle. I'm not going to focus on the feasts this morning. I'm going to focus on the principle. But you're welcome to read about the feasts. They are awesome and they point to Jesus Christ. Okay. Highlight the principle. You're all filled in on the picture. They're on their way. One thing, first thing God does before we're going to enter into, into the wilderness. Let's read. This is what he says. Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Verse 11. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites. That's the promised land. 40 years from now, he's already preparing them. 
When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Exciting. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. My first point this morning is God commands to be first. Now to modern readers, what in the world is going on? God is saying, your, bring your lambs, firstborn must be mine. Okay? Here's what's going on. There was no real official currency for the Israelites when they left Egypt. There was no currency. Today for us, our means of survival, living our lives, is we make money and we use the money, which is our currency, to buy and to get what we need for survival or comfort. And then we get it. We take it and we go, right? They didn't have that. But what they did have was they had two sets of animals. They had the set of animals, which was physically their means of survival and life. It was the lambs, the, the, the uh, I almost said buffalo, the beef, the cows that they ate. And then they had the worker animals, the donkeys, and that was their means of survival. That was it. God is saying to them, your very source of survival, I want you, the first of it, to give it to me. It's not about the, the animal or the sacrifice. It is about your source of survival, the thing you trust most for life, to live, to survive the very first of it, I want you to give it to me. Why? Well, if you think about it, this requires a lot of faith, okay? God did not say, with your lamb and your cow, wait until it has had 10 offspring and give me the 10th one. He says, give me the first one. But there's a possibility that that could be the only one that that animal bears. That requires faith. It requires trust in God for survival. It requires something that makes us uncomfortable. It requires that, that there be a place where we give over control. I'm not in control. That is what God was trying to teach them. Whatever they are trusting to save them, whatever they're placing their trust in for survival, to some degree, they will worship. They will place their highest value and importance. They will build their lives around surviving, around their possessions, and not around God. And they're going to see the fruit of that. And you see the fruit of that throughout the, old, the whole Old Testament. Whatever you worship, whatever you place the highest value of in your life, you become like that thing. You become like that, and your life becomes like that, and you see the fruit of it. There's a second reason why God commands to be first. We need to understand something about God's characteristics. Friends, God is preeminent. That means that God is above all, before all, higher than all, more important than all, and first of all, whether you make Him first or not. And God is first 
And wherever God is first, wherever He rules, we also see the fruit of that. Now, what do I mean by the fruit of that? Well, that brings me to my second point. I'm glad you asked. Second point, God needs to be first. He does not just command to be first. He needs to be first. Now, whenever we talk about the old principles, the Old Testament principles of tithing or giving money or giving of your finances, your means, your means of survival, people often respond, they say, I am not, that's the Old Testament, that's the law, I am not under the law, I am under grace, so that principle does not apply to me. It's partially true. Yes, you are under grace. In other words, you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ's crucifixion for you. You are not saved based on you obeying the law. That is the true part of it. The untrue part of it is that it is an Old Testament principle or a law principle and not a Jesus principle. That's not true. It is before the law, actually, and we're going to look at something before the law, but it's also after the law. In Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. He says, you tithe, but you neglect justice, mercy, love, righteousness, and grace. The first you ought to do, you ought to tithe. That's what Jesus says, without neglecting the latter. Now, that's enough for me to tithe. And that's all I'm going to say in this message about tithing. And I'm going to get back to God as first. I want to look at a principle, a place where this principle takes place way before the law. This is almost 2,000 years before this took place. And this is between Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are the first two children of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have just been thrown out of the garden. And we find this incredible story, interesting, tragic story of Cain and Abel, these two brothers, where... They both bring offerings to God. One brother's offering is received, the other one is not. Why? Let's look at the scripture. We're in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 to 5, and we're going to get back to Exodus 13. We see verse 2. Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Why did the Lord have regard for Abel's offering and not for Cain's? It is not because Abel brought meat and Cain brought vegetables. <laughs> South Africans. It is not. Okay? When I spoke to someone from Namibia, they said that's the only reason they could think of. No, it's pretty simple. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock. And Cain brought an offering. Firstborn offering. That's the first reason why God had regard for Abel's. But the second reason goes a little bit deeper. Because it's not about the action. Okay, for God, it's rarely about the action. God knows something. He knows your actions are motivated by your beliefs. Your actions are motivated by your heart's condition. That's why it's not about the action, it's about the heart's condition behind the action. So what does this show about the heart of Abel and Cain? Well, in Hebrews 11 verse 4, we see that Abel gave in faith. Abel gave in faith. 
What does it mean that he gave in faith? Well, faith, when you believe God, it's always a response to God's grace. Faith is a response of God's goodness and grace. You see, something happened in the Garden of Eden just before this took place. They sinned. They ate of the fruit. They shouldn't have. God had to expel them out of the garden. But before he expelled them, he gave them a promise. He said to Adam and Eve, out of the, the, the offspring of the woman, of Eve, out of their offspring will come someone, a person, one person, who is going to overcome evil. The person, their heel will be bruised, but they will overcome, they will conquer evil, they will crush the head of evil. That was God's grace saying to Abel, to Cain, to Adam and Eve, listen, you messed up, but one day I'm going to restore everything. I'm going to overcome evil. Yes, it's going to cost me something, but I will overcome it. Abel heard that from God and responded in faith. God made the first move. Abel made the second move in faith. Faith is always a response. And so Abel, in faith, knows that God has already given him the promise of salvation. God has already given him the promise of life. So Abel comes as a response to God, joyfully gives the first of what he has because he says, my life is not found in what I have. It's found in God's promises. Therefore, I respond to God. It's not what Cain did. Cain, Abel gave us a response to salvation, gave us a response to God's goodness, gave us a response to God's grace. Cain gave as a means to salvation to God's grace. Cain makes his offering and he says, look at my goodness. Look at my sacrifices. Look at how much. Have I not given all these years to you? Do I not give an offering? Have I not made all of this effort? Do you not owe me? Yeah. Man, how many times have we heard that message, right? I'm, I'm ashamed to say that that is the main message that I have heard in so many circles, churches, places. Give. Give to us. Give to God. Give and you will be blessed. Right? You've heard that? Give and you will be blessed. Here's the reality. Yes, there's many scriptures that teach that. There's many scriptures that says God rewards those who give. But... I did not want to mention them yet because the Christian message is a response. It's not a means. If you give to receive, yo, I know. No, I'm going to get back to that. But that's exactly what Cain didn't do. He didn't give as a response. He gave as a means. He gave to receive, to require. If God accepted Cain's offering, if God accepted it, it would feed straight into Cain's heart condition. Life is about him. He can earn God's blessings. And do you know how limiting it is to earn God's blessings? Friends, do you know that like there's, there's people who currently have nothing to give? If God's message was, I will only bless those who give me something, do you know how many of the population he would exclude who can give nothing? I'm talking about financial giving. That is, the Christian message is the most inclusive message in all of history. 
because it paves the way for both the strong and the weak, the rich and the poor, the black and the white, everyone who would humble themselves to be saved. God will not feed into a heart condition that gives from the wrong place because God is not about blessing the act of giving, but the heart of a giver who places him first. That's what God is about. It's not about the act of blessing, the act of giving. Here's someone who gives and God is not blessed. So that's a false message. I'm not saying to you, give to this church because you will be blessed. God's not about blessing your acts. It's not about blessing your actions. It's about blessing the heart of a giver who places him first. That God can multiply. Now look at how Cain responds. Genesis 4 verse 8, he kills his brother. Whenever, wherever God is not first, death follows. Emotional death. We're talking about spiritual death. I'm talking about marital and relational death. I am, oh God, give us grace. I'm saddened over the past two weeks. I think I've heard four or five stories where marriages are on the rocks because the men in that marriage placed themselves first and not God. And I, I, I am, yo, the calling of God on men and women. Why? Wherever God is not first, whatever is first, friends, death will follow. Death will follow. But you want to know the truth. Do you, do you know that without God, we are actually all Cain's? We're Cain's. You're, you're Cain. You're Cain. I'm a Cain. Not a sugar Cain. We're Cain's who cause death. How can I say that? Here's how. When things in life go poorly for you and God doesn't regard your offering, your prayers, your supplication, your desires, do you get mad and wonder why you're even a Christian? Do you doubt God's existence when things don't go your way? Well, if that's true of you, then you're a Cain. Then you believe that through your blessings and through your lives and through your actions and through your prayers and through your sacrifices, God owes you. Are you often grumpy or angry about how your life is growing? And if I'm talking about often, I'm talking about once a week at least. Once a week, angry about how your life is going or grumpy? <laughs> Do you get irritated by the ables around you? Blame shift to those who's going great. You justify your actions and you make yourself superior to others. Then you are a Cain. And I am a Cain. And we need a Savior. We need to understand with all of our beings that God needs to be first. We need God to be first. Okay, this, the importance in the scripture of God being first comes down to a donkey. Exodus 13 verse 13. Yes, this bizarre statement. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. If you will not redeem it, you will break its neck. What does it mean? What, 
what is this? Now, I'm not sure if this is a command to act and break the neck or a result of disobedience that's going to break the neck, but it applies both ways. For what reason shall someone not obey this principle to place God first by doing this action? Now, culturally, this is an action they understood. When the Israelites heard this, they knew the only reason why I will do this is if God is first. It's the only reason. If I say today to you, redeem your donkeys by lambs, I don't have a lamb. I don't have a don- I can buy a dead lamb chop, but I don't have a lamb and I don't have a donkey. No. But God is saying they, they understood it, and it is so important that you restore God as first that you need to break the neck of everything that is above him in your life. That's what he's trying to tell them. There's one reason why you will not follow through on this principle. That is because God is not first. Wherever God is not first, death will follow. So important that you put God first, that you break the neck of whatever it is that is first. Or it can apply in the other way. By not placing God first, he will be loving and gracious and break the neck of the thing that is above him himself. You don't want that. I had a coffee a couple of weeks ago with one of my dad's best friends. Um, He was a multi-millionaire, well over 100 million rand strong. He got to the point where he said, not even God can now sink me. It took God eight days to break him. Broke. 100 million strong. Broke. Eight days. I'm going to get into the specifics. That is the power of our God, and he graciously broke that neck. That man turned back to God. Friends, whatever you place above God, you're doomed to be taken from you. Now, what is the root of all evil according to the Bible? The love of money. The love of money. Not money. The love. The money is first and not the God. Now, your love for money is so strong that you will never be able to be a person who puts God first unless you realize how God gave first. That's my final point. You're not. Unless you realize the depth of God giving first, you're not going to be able to place Him first. God gave first. I'm going to get back to the scripture, Exodus 13, 13. We're seeing something. We're seeing that the clean animals, in other words, the edible animals, the animals that physically add to their survival, had to be used, sacrificed to redeem the unclean animals, the hardworking animals, the animals that that did the work most of the time. The unclean had to be redeemed by the life of the clean. The unclean for the clean. God was teaching them a principle that he must be first, but he was also preparing them for the time when he is going to give first. Tell me something, and it's okay to speak in church when I ask a question. Were you born clean or unclean? According to the Bible, you were born unclean. We are born in sin. I'll prove it. Do you need to teach your children to be evil or bad or selfish? 
No. You have to teach them to be good, right? You need to teach them to be good. Because we are born unclean. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Jesus was born clean, born of a virgin. Supernatural miracle occurring that Jesus could be clean. David, will you join me up on stage? Play on the piano for us, please. Jesus is born clean. God was teaching the Israelites that the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. God was teaching them that it's going to take humility. It's going to take placing of Him first and me second or third or fourth. God first by sacrificing my means of survival, what is unclean, what is clean, to the unclean could be redeemed. That is exactly what God did, friends. You know that God gave His first, His all, His only possession, His most prized possession, the most valuable thing in all of creation, the most valuable thing in all of creation. You know what that is? God. He is the most valuable in all of creation. He gave that, His first, His most valuable, so that we could be redeemed. Jesus Christ, that we could be redeemed. So, here's the incredible thing that we just got from an Old Testament law and two brothers killing one another. We got this. That God comes, gives the most valuable, all that He has, first, so that you could respond, that you could have assurance of salvation. The absolute assurance that you will spend eternity with Him in heaven if you are willing to humble yourself and to place God first. You see, whatever you place first in your life, that's where you're placing your trust for salvation. And God will just say, then your will be done. Let's see if the thing that you trust can save you. But I have already saved. If you will bow your knee before me, if you will place me first, you will see the fruit of that in your life and you will receive my assurance that you are saved. I want to ask you a big favor. Will you please not give money to this church because you think it's going to get you into heaven or God's special blessing? Will you please first give money to this church because you have placed God first and you love the God who saved you? Can we give as a response to God's goodness? So here's what I want to do. We've got three things we need to pray into this morning. Number one, if you have never had the chance in your whole life to place God first, to receive this gift of salvation over your life, to move your trust from your means of survival over to God, His sacrifice. If you have never had the chance to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you will have the chance this morning. So can I ask all of us, just close our eyes. Can we all close our eyes? We honor a person who wants to respond to this, to this message. 
If you have never had this chance, this morning God is pressing on your heart. Place me first, because you have never done that. I want to encourage you. Will you please stand up that we can do that this morning and pray with you? Praise God. Is there anyone else? Wonderful. Praise God. This is incredible. We will see the fruit of God being first. I see two people standing. Is there anyone else standing that I may be missing? And ask the people who are sitting around these two people who are standing up. You just quickly gather around them. You place your hands on them. And we're going to pray a prayer. You can do that. We're going to pray a prayer where we're going to, with them as a congregation, place God first. So here's what we're doing. I'm going to pray. I want to encourage the whole congregation, will you pray after me? And these people who stood up, will you specifically in your hearts right now place God first, commit to breaking the neck of whatever is above Him. So you guys can pray after me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need a Savior. I have placed something else above you in my life. Only you can save me. Right now, I ask for your grace to break the neck of the thing that is above you in my life. I believe that you died on a cross in my place so that I might be saved. And right now, I give you my life. Thank you, Lord, that you save me and you forgive my sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I ask the people who are around those people, will you quickly just pray a prayer over them? Just, just pray a prayer over them. The rest of us, we can turn two, two to one another. Can we pray for one another? that God will break whatever is above him in your lives, even if you're not aware of it. Let's pray one for one another. Two, two, turn to one another, let's pray. Friends, there's so much freedom when God is first. You're no longer bound and controlled by the, the urge to fight for your own survival. You've got the king of the universe doing it for you. This is so serious. I want to encourage all of you. I want to ask you, you, you have to, have to do this. Please, within the next week, go to your Kune group leader, the person, or, or LG leader, the person who is walking this discipleship, following Jesus' road with you, and you name that thing which you realize this morning is still sometimes above God. You repent of that thing so that times of refreshing and life might come to you, that God might enter your life and be first. Can we commit to doing that? Wonderful. And then you will notice we never 
send around a basket for money. Not because it is wrong, but because we are convicted that giving is an act of the heart, a response to God. Will you please, yourselves, by your own convictions, go onto our website, go to the book and info table. You can find the banking details there. And you can respond straight into an account, which you will see at our AGM, exists to build God's kingdom. If you want to give to God's kingdom, you want to honor God, you want to give to a place. We're not the only place, but we are this family. We are this place. We will build God's kingdom with your finances. Trust me, there's so many eyes keeping us accountable. Will you give as a response to God's goodness? Wonderful. That's it.